Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelins and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Pleased to be joined once again with my co-host and Hall of Famer, Steve Flink. Steve, uh, we have a wide variety of talk uh, of topics to talk about today. Um, ready to roll? This will be a fun one. Sure. Looking forward to it. Yeah, let's start with with our good friend, uh, our, our old friend. He may not consider himself old, but Andy Murray. He's now 35 years old, playing very well. Beats Stefano Tsitsipas and Nick Kyrgios in Stuttgart two weeks ago. Pulls out this past week with an abdominal strain. Hopefully it's something very minor. Now being back top 50 in the world, he's still not going to be ranked, which is obviously danger, uh, dangerous to himself and his opponents. You can look at it both ways like that. Um, He's playing very well. Again, we'll, we'll do another episode in about, I don't know, five, six days that we can talk about the draw specifically. As of this recording, the draw is not out yet. Um, if things fall right, he could make a deep run in Wimbledon with how he's currently playing. I agree. I think it'll depend on a few things, David. He did. We, we were both bemoaning the fact that last year and into the earlier stages of this year, Andy couldn't seem to get through matches quickly enough to protect himself for the latter rounds because it would catch up to him physically. He is doing a much better job of that, of winning some straight set matches and preserving energy. And he did play very well, as you said, in Germany with those great wins and a good match with Berrettini. But I think that he... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how he holds up in best of five and can he get through the best of five matches efficiently? Uh, because even with a day off, if he's getting in five setters in the first couple of rounds, it's tough to recover. So that may be one of the keys, but I just get the feeling that the presence of Lendl and there are a lot of things working in Andy's favor right now. And in some ways he's exceeded his own expectations. So it's going to be really interesting to see how, uh, how his draw plays out and how Andy responds with those crowds as usual, supporting him uh, vociferously. Yeah, I think, and, and hearing him and hearing from him in, in post-match interviews and everything, you, you kind of get the feeling that he's, he's comfortable with himself right now. He's happy with the way he's playing. Again, the rankings getting up there, the danger is he's still not seated. So, um, you know, he could get a very, very tough first round opponent, but if he keeps on improving, the ranking will come and hopefully he can get seated at some of these events where he may not have such a dangerous draw early on. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, I do believe that there are a number of the lower seeds that he could handle. So it's, he just uh, wants to avoid you know, somebody in the upper crust, the top six, seven, eight. But aside from that, I think he can turn the draw in, in his favor if he makes a strong start. And it certainly never hurts to have those crowds so fervently behind you as he inevitably will. Yeah, I, I want to throw out a few other names, you. And again, we don't have the draw, so we'll kind of keep it high level, just general thoughts on, on how you think they'll do over the next, uh, hopefully for their sake, two weeks at Wimbledon. Um, some favorites, some dark horses. I think we're all looking forward to seeing a good performance uh, from Felix Ajir Aliassim. He has the game to play very, very well at this event. Yes, and he's come off a string of really good majors and was a little bit of luck he would have beaten Rafa and Roland Garrison. and who knows what that could have led to. Uh, Felix seems to be becoming a pretty good big occasion player, and he uh, and he's an all-surface player and beat Zarev on the grass at Wimbledon last year. He knows what he's doing. So I feel like he's primed to, to go deep into that draw. I don't see him winning the tournament. But it wouldn't shock me if Felix got to his first major final. He's been knocking on the door. That wouldn't shock me with the right set of circumstances that he could pull that off. 
One name um, we just found out, breaking news, we don't know the details yet, but Sebastian Corda, who we were going to talk about, supposedly he's out of Wimbledon. We don't know the details yet, but um, that's unfortunate because you remember last year he had that crazy match with Kern Kachinov in the round of 16. He lost 10-8 in the fifth where um, no one could hold serve, which was, which was quite odd. But um, if he is indeed out and injured, hopefully he gets healthy soon because we still have – such high expectations for, for Sebi. Yeah, he's been, absolutely. We do with good reason. I just get concerned about these injuries and, uh, and I hope they're not, that's not a recurrent pattern in his career where he just, where it keeps sort of stalling him because he's a great player to watch when he's at full force physically. And it's a shame that he would not be able to go back. Obviously uh, that was a great run last year and he was so close to getting himself into the quarters. So, I, uh, I I hope we see him early in the hardcore season that he can start really peaking again as we get closer to the U.S. Open. And the name everyone uh, follows, whether it's good or bad, but it's definitely uh, makes people keep their eyes on the sport of tennis. Nick Kyrgios, he himself thinks he's top five, top 10 in the world on grass. He has shown glimpses of it. Um, he's playing very well currently, just beat Stefano Tsitsipas and Hala. Uh, you know what he did to Rafa back in 2014. That was ways ago. Now Rafa has played him since on Wimbledon and Rafa's won, but they've been tight matches. Nick plays very well. The, the, the same story though. Can he do it two weeks and three out of five? Yeah. And can he keep his head screwed on straight? <clears throat> you know, that's always the big thing with Nick is his composure and avoiding unnecessary altercations with the officials. He's done a pretty good job of that the last few weeks and he really has looked physically good and largely in control of his emotions. So I think, uh, you know, and I know some of the Australians, I think there's a feeling that he may really make his best showing at Wimbledon in a long, long time this year that he's, that he's ready to do that. And the match he just lost last week to Hercotch was a beauty. You know, it really just came down to Nick losing a couple of tiebreakers after taking the first set. So, and he didn't, he didn't lose his cool and he went up and shook hands when it was over and it was a good sport and, but played a first rate match in defeat against a great player in Hercosh. So I, I believe that he, uh, and no, nobody wants to see his name in those early rounds. He's no. unseated as well. Right. So, I mean, if, if you're, if you're anyone not named Andy Murray or Nick Kyrgios, you don't want to see either of those in your side early on in the tournament. But Kyrgios in this physical state is very dangerous. Uh, I, you know, there are times when you, you sense that he's not 100% physically and, and you can see it in the way he's moving and how he's serving. But no, all the signs are there that, that he's ready on that, on, on that trajectory. So I, I'm fascinated to see what he produces at Wimbledon. And, uh, you know, he may be one of the more uh, compelling characters in that first week because, I mean, I sense we there could be some big center court match involving Nick in those first couple of rounds. No doubt. No doubt. Um, two players who had incredible runs last year, um, Herbert Hercosh, who made it to the semis last year, I believe Matteo Berrettini made it to the finals, losing to Novak. They just had very impressive weeks, both won their respective tournaments. Hercosh and Halla destroyed Daniil Medvedev. That was an impressive, uh, as all get out from, from Hercosh there. Matteo Berrettini also won in Queens. Both those guys, um, you know, Herkosh is, is someone interesting to me. He's been good for now a long period of time. I think people don't, when they talk about big uh, contenders at big tournaments or they talk, talk about the big three and all the, all people who could really make noise, 
I think his name gets overlooked quite a bit. He's been pretty consistent at a high level now for more than just, you know, you could say a flash in the pan or a couple tournaments. He's been, he's been good for a while now. Oh, no doubt about it. And, and, you know, he's, he's got, he's such an aggressive, aggressive player with, you know, one of the probably one of the most underrated servers in the game. It's a great first serve, especially and, and a pretty darn good second one. And, to, and and dangerous off the ground he can stay in points but he takes control of them as well moves so well for a big man and yes he played a good final medvedev imploded a bit had a little spat with his coach but so be it uh he was already in a lot of trouble against Herkosh in that final so i don't think it was really that had that big a bearing on the outcome no he feels good he's won this atp 500 event coming in and yes he remembers last year defeating roger Federer and getting to the semis so he's He's really looking forward to going back on those grounds. And I, I expect to see him in that, uh, in those latter stages of the tournament again. He's another one, David, that could be one of the, a, a surprise finalist. Who knows what happens then? But uh, he, he's, he's certainly a great player on this, on any fast court. I want to mention a, a couple of guys, and you know how much I enjoy talking about the, the lower level guys, quote unquote, lower level guys. You know, the margins are so thin in this sport. And when you consider someone a lower level guy, um, you don't realize how small the margins are and how good these guys are. And we had quite a performance two weeks ago from a guy named Tim Van Rithoven. He was ranked 205 in the world, wins a title. All he did there was beat FAA and Daniil Medvedev. So beat two of the very best in the game. Um, David, you know what? He, he squeaked by FAA. And I remember watching that and thinking, boy, Felix, I was surprised Felix didn't play the big points a little better down the stretch. He, I thought that was the kind of match Felix should have pulled out. But then this guy destroyed Medvedev in the final. So, no, it was a great back. Those were great back-to-back performances from a, from a guy, as you said, 205 in the world at the time. And now he's, now he's pushing hard. And he's, again, going to be one of those dangerous floaters in the draw at Wimbledon, to be sure. I mean, you get a wild card. He gets a wild card into Wimbledon. That's worth around $60,000. I mean, that's a huge payday for guys like this. And, and, a, and a person who I respect in the tennis industry and everybody loves him. He's so great. Former USTA national coach. He's the current Oklahoma State men's head tennis coach, Dustin Taylor. He would say, You're all, you are only a week away from changing your career. And, and guys at that level, it's so true, right? You can have one week and it's a life-changing uh, week which could change the course of your career um, interesting to see how Tim does another guy that we're all familiar with um, he was number eight in the world he's fallen off the singles radar he's slowly creeping his way back in we all know phenomenal doubles player he is Jack Sock he lost a tough challenger final uh, yesterday seven six in the third was up a break also at a match point um, he's creeping back into the top 100. I think he was two spots um, out from the main draw. If he had won that match, it was a direct, you, you got a wild card into the main draw. Um, he's in the qualies now. He's playing better. We saw him. He's starting to play. He was always kind of a good big match type of player. We saw him play Stefano Tsitsipas, very tough in Indian Wells. He had uh, many opportunities to, to win that match. He's getting back up there. He's we just like that course of keep going, keep getting better and better and better. Yeah, he's got to keep his commitment. You know, he's had a tendency to be a little hot headed. We know he's he's excelled more in doubles than singles, but it's nice to see him making this all out effort right now. 
And a, a big part of the story will be told from here through the U.S. Open. He's got to make a, a substantial move during that stretch. And I think if he if he keeps uh, applying himself the way he is and, you know, on grass and then shifting the hard course, there's no reason he can't certainly start heading toward the top 50 again. I agree. No, no disagreement for me there. Um, some some veteran names that that had some news in the past few days. Roger Federer and Serena Williams. Let's start with Roger. And I've said it and, and I hope I'm wrong. And it's looking like I am going to be wrong. I said Roger's last match may be at the Labor Cup playing doubles with Rafa. I thought it would be a wonderful way to go out. Roger's, the way Roger's talking, he's focused on Labor Cup. He's focused on Basel in 2022. And then hopefully being healthy and playing 2023 he looks great hopefully physically he, he feels great as well yeah it, it's 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 so commendable in in one sense because he's about to turn 41 in the summer so then the, the the major part of this comeback would be launched as he approaches 42 it's asking a lot of himself david but i think he remembers last year when he had such bad preparation and he played the french and had to pull out after winning a few matches and he, to protect himself to protect the knee and Played a grass court event and Felix destroyed him. And yet he still got to the quarters of Wimbledon. And uh, I think he said, said to himself, if I can do that essentially on one knee, what, if, if, why can't I, I can understand the reasoning. But of course, he's also going to be a couple of years older by the mm -hmm. time he went back to Wimbledon next year. So, yeah, I, I I'm not betting either way. I suspect he is going to give it a go next year. And if by the end of Wimbledon next year, things are just not turning and he lost early there and he just felt that he wasn't up to it anymore, it's no, no shame. But uh, I, do, I actually do expect to see him out there unless there's some kind of serious setback when he plays Labor Cup in Basel. But if things go reasonably well physically there and he's, then, then I, see him, uh, I see him performing again next year. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I go I, again. I'd, I'd love to be wrong with my prediction. So he's, he's looking great. And hope good things for Roger. Serena Williams announcing she will be playing Wimbledon. She's playing doubles in Eastbourne this week with Anz Jabor. Anz just won her tournament. We all know how entertaining Anz is. Very disappointing result at the French. And Anz was hot coming in the French. Um, Anz is great. I'm looking forward to seeing her have a big run at Wimbledon. Serena Williams, though. What, you know, what what can you expect? I, I don't think the fear factor is, is there with you know, her intimidation factor is there anymore. Um, definitely not as much as it once was to uh, many of the players in the locker room. That being said, she's still Serena. She hasn't played in a while, Steve. What, what, what do you think about this? Well, we saw her leave last year. That's the last time we saw her leaving the center court in agony, you know, having hurt herself badly. I, I don't know what she expects to get out of it, frankly, because with this kind of preparation, in other words, we talked about Federer. I'm assuming next year, if he came into Wimbledon, David, he'd come in having played as many tournaments as he thought he could handle and have got some, has some match play under his belt and feels like he's ready to compete. Serena's coming in cold. And it's nice that she has so much respect for Wimbledon that she wants to go back and give it another go. But I, I don't, I, I mean, yes, there's some intimidation from some players, but how she wins more than a couple of matches is beyond me given the, 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 the time she's been gone. If she proves me wrong, all power to her. But I, I don't know what, I'm not sure what exactly she's expecting to get out of this, as opposed to if she had made a move to 
play a bunch of tournaments and go to the French and see to see if she could win a few matches there and then kept going on the grass and had some sense of, of, of full of, of preparation. She's not going to have that. I think she's just hoping to, to do it on, on, mem- on memory and inspiration. And, and that may not be enough. Yeah. And you know, it, it, always beware if you're going to doubt greatness. So uh, for those that thinking maybe she'll go out first round, Again, beware. You're you're dealing with greatness. So let's see. You're right about that. I'm not saying that she's. I'm just saying for her to win more than more than a couple of matches is gonna it would be a remarkable effort. If we saw her in the second week, I would oh. be really surprised. But but Serena, Serena, let's let's see what she can what she can do here. And she must feel like she's you know in her practice sessions at home. There's something telling her that she can do this. So or else she she doesn't. She's not going to the All England Club to embarrass herself. Right, right. She she obviously feels okay to to, to do this. If she didn't feel well or knew she wasn't, uh, she couldn't make any noise. She I don't think she would she would go. She didn't need. She wouldn't have to. So I agree with you on that point. Um, couple couple items you we've been asked to speak about, and you and I really haven't addressed it. Um, we'll start with with Wimbledon not awarding points, and and in my my opinion is focused on two sets of players, right? One, you got the the players who did amazingly well last year. Um, they're going to lose all those points, right? The Novaks, Matteo Berrettini. Then you look at it from the other side. Let's say you're a guy 100, 150th in the world, and you have a dream week or a dream two weeks, right? Let's say you make the round of 16 or the quarters. You're not going to get the benefit of those points. And for the players at that lower level, that's huge because that can get them into main draw tournaments going forward and they don't have to be in the qualifying and we all know how hard it is to get out of that circle in qualifying um again we've been asked about it i'm eager to hear your your thoughts on it david i've just never understood i understood why the atp and wta objected vehemently to what wimbledon did from their standpoint they thought it was totally went against their guidelines to bar any players that had met the qualifications. Okay, so I understood that they issued a statement initially that said, we don't like this, we disagree with it. But then to take the step of taking the points away has had me shaking my head ever since because it's their constituency, it's their players. Some of it is what you just mentioned. What about somebody going on a big run this year? What about a Shapovala who was in the semis last year and he could get back there, but but it's as if he never played in terms of their computer ranking. So he loses the semifinal points. Novak loses the 2,000 points for winning it. Berrettini, I think 1,200 for getting the finals. It doesn't make any sense. Berrettini's on a great run right now. Maybe he gets back to the final, maybe not. But I don't get it because the people being punished are their own players who have done nothing. And they're they're not taking the stance, David, the ATP and WTA. They're not taking a stance saying we want our players – to boycott Wimbledon. We think this is wrong. That would have been a different stance altogether. And I wouldn't have agreed with it. But what I'm saying is that would have been, there would have been some consistency because you would have said, no, we disagree with Wimbledon. That's not what they're doing. So if you're, you're, if you're giving the players the green light, which they are to compete at Wimbledon, they really should be getting points. I think it's just a, a, a absolute shame because it's an injustice to all of those people. Someone like Fusevich last year had a great run, 16s or quarters, Lost to Novak, you know he's he's probably not going to be able to do that this year. But but suppose he did, he comes back to the and has another good tournament. It's as if again, it's as if he didn't play in terms of computer rankings. You're Same. hurting your own is is what you've emphasized, and it just it doesn't really 
doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Oh, it, it doesn't. I think they feel, and I, I, in fairness to the ATP and WTA, I don't think they were trying to be vengeful. They were trying to take, use whatever clout they had to say to right. Wimbledon, okay, well, if you're going to ban the Russians and Belarusians, then we're going to do this. But this is not an appropriate uh, counter to what right. Wimbledon just not. It's their own players. And also, I don't think it's fair to diminish Wimbledon, to try to diminish Wimbledon in that way. It's the m- most prestigious event in the sports, the preeminent tournament in tennis. I think they deserve more respect than because also then you have the likes of Osaka, David, who had, had said immediately, she's pulled out now because uh, of, for physical reasons now, but in, her initial reaction right off the bat was, well, if there are no points, I don't know if I'll play. And they open the door for that. I don't think that the ATP and WTA really want their players looking at it that way, but they've sort of invited that by the stance they've taken. I, I'm, I'm perplexed and I'm, I'm saddened by it. Marshall Happer, who ran the Men's Tennis Council in the 1980s, he was the closest thing we had to a commissioner, wrote an editorial that he sent out this week being very critical of the decision as well. And he also didn't like Wimbledon's initial decision. He just felt that this was not the, the right response. Now, I, maybe the ATP and WTA would say they had no other, or this was their only option. Okay, well then maybe don't take it and just stick by your statement. We disagree. We feel Wimbledon has done the wrong thing and, and they could have kept trying to negotiate with Wimbledon behind the scenes to reconsider. But once the decision was made, and I respect what Wimbledon did, I think that decision, David, was a coin flip. I mean, you could make a strong argument on either side of that one, but I think that Wimbledon deciding to bar those, ban those players, but the decision by the ATP and the WTA, in my view, is I don't, I don't think there is a defense. I think most people would say it's just, it's the wrong response. And I say that with the greatest of respect for the likes of Steve Simon and Gaudenzi, who uh, I don't think, I think they really have the, they, they believe they have the best interests of the sport uh, at heart here, but I just think they've made an uh, I just think their judgment was wrong in this case. Sticking, sticking on this topic, you know, um, Wimbledon obviously is not allowing uh, players from Russia and Belarus to compete. The U S open just came out announcing that they are allowing um, Russian and Belarus players to compete. And then something somewhat, <laughs> I don't say it's related, but it's kind of goofy here. Right. As of today, Novak Djokovic would not be allowed to play in the U.S. Open because he's unvaccinated. And correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, Novak's unvaccinated. They're not allowing him to play in the U.S. Open. But yet, if you're a U.S. player, let's say, and and I'll mention his name because he tweeted about it, Tennis Sangren, he's unvaccinated and he is allowed to play. Now, I would I would say, let's say there's a different strand, a more dangerous, threatening strand in wherever Novak's from. And they're worried about someone coming in like Novak and and making a bigger risk for the, for the people in New York. That's not the case. Right. So tennis walking around and Novak walking around pose this the same risk. Am I correct in that? Of course they do. Of course they do. They're going to be around fellow players. What are you going to do? Are you going to bar that you'd bar a, a tennis would not be allowed to go into the player lounge for fear that he could possibly pass the, the virus on to some other player. That was a puzzling decision. I understand the USTA saying about Novak, and I wish he, I just wish he would change his mind and take the vaccine. That's another story. And I feel badly about what he went through in Australia, which was, was way over the top being used as a political pawn. We don't need to revisit that. But as far as the open is concerned, 
I understand that they would say there will be no exemptions because they saw what happened in the Novak case. and They didn't want to have a battle going on where they're saying, well, we think Novak, we, we want him back. We want to find, we're going to, we're going to give him a special exemption given his status in the game. And then suddenly the U.S. government started fighting. They, they wanted to avoid that. I understand right. that. But why they wouldn't just carry through and say to the Tennis Sandgrens or any other American players who might not have taken the vaccine, listen, guys, you, you're only getting in this tournament. You must take the vaccine. You must right. take it and decide how many of the shots you must have taken, by the way, because most people at this point have had four. But, <laughs> but, but you, don't, you don't exclude uh, tennis while uh, Sandgren while barring Novak Djokovic. You don't include, sense. right. You don't exclude tennis from, from not being able to play. So you're including tennis being able to play, but not Novak. Again, it's not like there's a more dangerous strand where Novak uh, is and you're worried about that. No, that's because I suppose they would argue that the government wouldn't, because he's American, he's allowed back in the country. So they don't have an issue with, you know, government control. I'm not sure what their answer would be to that, but it, but they have to be concerned about what's going on on their own grounds, in their own player areas, dining areas, right. play lounge, all of it. So he would pose the same threat, theoretically, as, as Novak. Right. It, I, I think they would have covered themselves beautifully had they said that. We also want to we reinforce that, yes, Novak Djokovic, and unless he were to take the vaccine, is not allowed to come here. But, but we also are not letting any of our own native born players competed unless unless they can verify their vaccine status as well then i think that would have made they they would have been fine but i think they that now they'll probably catch some flack for it. meantime let's see what happens i mean we're still a ways away we're a okay. few months away um now, but yeah it just seems a little goofy that you allow some unvaccinated players to play if they're from our country but not other unvaccinated players from outside of our country yeah. Meantime, they saw that Wimbledon was so sharply criticized by the ATP and WTA for making the choice on the Russian and Belarusian players. So I, I think the USTA, I understand what they were doing there. They thought, you know what, we don't we don't need that kind of aggravation. And 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 there's such a strong argument that they should be allowed to play. We're letting them play that. That I understand much better than the decision vis-a-vis -vis Djokovic and Sangre. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Interesting times, something that the, 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 the federal government and the people in charge of the WTA and the ATP uh, wish they did not have to deal with um, pre a global pandemic. Uh, we'll see how this plays out. There's a lot of moving parts. You're right, David, but I don't, you mentioned that something could change. It's true, but to me, it's unlikely between now and the open that suddenly there's a feeling uh, by the United States government. And no, it's okay. We're going to allow, I, I, I don't see them. I'd be really surprised. And we're sitting here now in, in, uh, in June, you know, the latter getting to the latter stages of June. I, I, I don't see two months from now, the, the situation being different. And, and so I do think in Djokovic's case, he's going to have to weigh this. And I, I don't think he's going to play. I, I don't think he's going to change his mind uh, because I think, Frankly, he would have probably by now done it. On the other hand, he's been permitted to play in all these other places, all through the clay court circuit and back in regular circulation again and able to go back to Wimbledon to defend his, try to defend his title. So that's sort of given him a, a, a um, something of a reprieve, a chance to just put it aside and play. But now he's now the decision making is upon him again. And I, I don't believe he's 
I think he's so adamant, and it's it, it's I, I, that I, I I think we're going to miss him at the Open this year. That's my that's my my uh, prediction. Wow, and and it, and it is interesting, you know, if he sticks with his guns, and it seems like he is at least at this moment. Um, you know, he's talked about how he wants the most most slams, right? And he's now two behind Rafa. And if this happens at the Open, let's say he doesn't win Wimbledon, let's say he doesn't, he's not allowed to play at the Open. Now you're in Australia again, and let's say Rafa even wins another one. Now he's three back. It's interesting to see how this all plays out. And it'll be interesting years from now, looking back uh, at the history of the big three, what effect this, this did have on, on the race of the most slims. Yeah, I just, I, 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 yeah, absolutely. And, and the scenario you mentioned, I just wonder whether Novak, you know, five, 10 years from now looks back and he's interviewed and he says, yeah, I look back on that period with great regret because nobody has been more committed. It's not that Rafa and Roger haven't tried to win every Grand Slam title they possibly can and that the race doesn't mean a great deal to them because it does. And Rafa downplays it all the time, but it means much more to him than he's letting on. He's just taking pressure off himself. Right. But nobody's been so upfront and clear about what he wants to achieve in this game. And there he was closing on in on the grand slam last year, one match away at the U S open and turned in a subpar performance and Medvedev was great. And the chance was gone, but who would have thought that, that he would then miss the Australian Rafa would win it improbably. Then Novak's in in better form than Rafa, Rafa coming into the French and up until they met at the French and Rafa topples him there and wins the title for the 14th time to move two ahead. The, 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 these are none of us could have foreseen this that Rafa we, we had mentioned it we had mentioned it on the on the year end but it was pretty improbable it was you wouldn't expect it very improbable but I gotta believe that Djokovic who's not personally resentful of Nadal he, he has great respect for Nadal but it has to be just uh internally eating away at him in some respects and it, I mean especially if he didn't win Wimbledon if he's able to come back and right. win Wimbledon, I do believe he's the clear favorite uh, you know, there, there are scenarios where a Herkosh or a Felix or there are guys that can win this title, surely. But Novak is the one who's proven himself there time and again. He's won this tournament the last three times he's played there. So he is the clear 18, 19 and 21. There was no tournament in 20. So I think he's coming in confident and that would that would help him a lot. But let's just say that's the scenario. And he wins Wimbledon and the, but then can't play the open with a chance to tie Rafa again. It's, right self-defeating you know and i know he he would defend it and on the grounds of principle what he wants to put into his body i get that i just think he's getting the wrong information and he's such a bright guy but someone somehow he's been convinced that this is something really dangerous when he did the elbow surgery several years ago he got over that and and he benefited and he's benefited ever since and if he would have taken this his life would have been a lot easier and and he wouldn't have been in a position to perhaps perhaps miss two majors this year, two of the four, both on hard courts. Can you imagine? I know. And it's a shame because you, when you, when you talk about this and you talk about the greatest of all time, you want everything to be decided inside those lines. Right. And, and unfortunately, um, and we don't know how it will all pan out. That's for the future. Um, and we'll see how it will all pan out in the coming years. But um, right now things are happening that um, are a result of not, occurring all in between the white lines and that's a shame and just want to add one thing david one more time because people are always so critical of novak 
And I just want to say this, you know, I don't agree with his stance, as I've made clear, but I have sympathy for the fact that somehow he's got it in his head. In other words, this to me is not an ego question. Some people think it's just a, a great player with a big name flexing his muscles saying, you've got to accommodate me, I'm Novak Djokovic. And that's never been what this is about. It's been about his, what I consider kind of a bizarre stance on the vaccine. And he's been willing to give up. And I think he'll be willing to give up playing the U.S. Open for the same reasons he was willing to not play Australia if that's what it came to. And I, I, I think people should see that side of the coin a little more clearly. You can criticize the judgment. But this is not, to me, an athlete with an oversized ego. I don't think that's you think. Let me ask you this, Steve. Do you think um, it, it's, it's either misinformation that he's getting and why he won't take it, or two, he's so, and, and this is, I mean, these are all athletes, right? Professional athletes, your body is your commodity. Is he so worried? And we don't know the long-term effects of, of these vaccines, right? They say they're safe, but this is new for everybody. We don't know the, the long-term effects. Do you think he is so strict on his body as a commodity that he's not willing to risk that this vaccine going into his body it could be as simple as that well i think that's largely what it is but i do believe that that's misinformation you're right that we don't know fully the but most of the medical community the preponderance the vast majority are saying no this is safe long term not just short term and this is what we must do and yeah, I think it's based on misinformation, but he sees his body as a temple and he does not want to do it. I'm just saying, I think people should see that and you can shake your heads and, and be anguished. And I know I am personally as an ardent admirer of his to see this happening to him, but I think that's really what it comes down to. And so it's not unprincipled. It's just misguided in my view. Yeah. Well, we spent quite a bit of time talking about stuff, uh, that's not happening on the tennis court and more time talking uh, about things that are happening off, off the tennis court. We'll see how this all develops. It, it is obviously very interesting. We got Wimbledon coming up uh, one week from today. will be first ball. The qualities are this week. You and I will, uh, will record again once the draw comes out um, before first ball is hit. We'll be able to go a little bit more in detail um, once we see certain players paths on, on what could possibly happen over the uh, the Wimbledon fortnight. I'm excited. I know you are. Um, can't wait to do this again. Looking forward to it, David. As usual, a stimulating discussion. And I, I think we're in for, for a great fortnight in Wimbledon. And with or without all this controversy over the points, there's one thing is certain. The players are going to go there with the same attitude they do every year, knowing that they are playing the most important tournament in the game of tennis. No doubt. And, and no realize. Doubt realizing that the sports world is paying attention in a way that they don't at any other time of the year in tennis, including the U S open. And that's no knock on the U S open because especially for the American fans, it's a festival across a fortnight, but this Wimbledon fortnight is unlike any other. Uh, no disagreement from me, Steve. Thanks again. And, and looking forward to uh, talking again, where we'll be able to uh, dive deep into the drop. Thank you, David.